0: Hello and welcome to the Policy Innovation Podcast, the place you can listen to people from mums and former prime ministers to startup founders and scientists share their experiences and ideas for innovating policy to build a better world. Our guest today is Kabine Kumara, advisor, author, former prime minister of Guinea and director of the African Export Import Bank. So,
1: my name is Kabine Kumara. I'm uh, from Guinea, West Africa. So, my background is mainly finance and management. I started my job as a central banker in Guinea for a short time, and then I moved in mining. Then, from there, I, I shift to general government in charge of designing all investment governmentally. On in any sector, water, electricity, education, agriculture, everywhere, and then seeking funding for that from the whole country. And then that took me Everyone we were negotiating with different donors, CDC, JICA in Japan, USAID, World Bank, IMF, uh, European Bank, FMO, and anywhere. So I did cover the whole world looking for funding, financing to support. Development project in Guinea, <laughs> and then I then I shift against my wish uh, to be appointed to design to write a new constitution of Guinea. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, uh, we a team of about 40 people who did write that constitution. We made it approved, which established a multi-party system in Guinea, and then I was appointed to be what you call a Constituent Parliament for one year, designing the law. But uh, I did not cope with them because I had some view how to make things free, liberal, and uh, you know, uh, comprehensive. And then I left there and became senior advisor to the Minister of Finance. And then jointly, I joined the African Development Bank in Abidjan for five years as Alternative Director. In that capacity, I was given the opportunity to design and conduct the feasibility of the new Continental Bank of African Exporting Bank. So then I joined that bank later on in Egypt, where I stayed for 14 years. Then from there, I was in charge of promoting the bank across West Africa. And then I was in charge of raising funding, negotiating, co financing, and then also. Bringing new shareholders from Asia, India, China, Brazil, and you know it was an exciting job. And then I was appointed as Prime Minister in my country for a year. It was an exciting year because uh, our president has passed away and the military took the power and another, they called me to join them as a prime minister. <laughs> it was a uh, very delicate and very sensitive period for Guinea because the military didn't want to win power. I had came with the objective that we should prepare free and fair election so that we can establish a new avenue for this country in order to be managed according to what I foresee was at that time as the only way to take advantage of the rich potential of this country. I managed the transition and, then, and the election were organized. And then and left everything. Then I set up my, my own firm. A few years after, while I was in London, I was appointed as a, a High Commissioner of senegal Basin Water Development Organization. So I served for four years. In that capacity, I was able to understand how uh, water, shared water, can be either a source of conflict or an opportunity for cooperation and peace. And so I took the matter to the UN, the president of, of Senegal. Then we convinced the UN to pass a resolution to make sure that in the future, shared water will be used commonly and jointly to develop relationship, friendships among people, and not to be, you know, uh, jeopardized by Reparated country. When that university was ranked number one in the world, Uh, then I I completed my mandate in 2017. Then I came back to my country. In parallel, I was requested by the African Union and uh, ECOWAS to conduct a supervised election, presidential election in several countries, trying to join forces so that we can. Leads fair and democratic election. So, in that capacity, I serve in five countries on that election. So, you know, in parallel, I have my consultancy firm where I get my, my bread and butter, which is, you know, linking investor with opportunities across Africa and the rest of the world, raising funding for some projects in several sectors. So in addition, I'm assisting several young people to establish a business, mentoring them, and also giving advice in my country to develop peace and uh, good governance, which is the most important challenge that we are facing across Africa and particularly in my country.
0: Wow, what a seasoned and fascinating career, Kabine. What would you say was your most challenging and enjoyable role throughout your career? Of course, I did
1: face several critical uh, challenges, but the most important exciting one was uh, when I was able to help my country during the military period when I came to power, to save the country from chaos and war. And conduct the country out of the mess with military clash and the politician dispute so that we can save the country peacefully and organize the election. I think that's my I did that without, uh, I have no salary, no budget. I had to sell my property to run my office and to support everything. And at the end of the process, I claim to be audited. Publicly, I made a special declaration say, okay, I have done that job without any single cent, because the minister wanted me to resign. And the only way we could do is to stop everything so that I can <laughs> I resign from my bank to consult with myself. And that's a challenging objective. Even when my kids were studying in the expensive school in Europe, I had to bring them back to Africa, because that's what we would afford so that I can concentrate myself on those challenges. Fortunately, the country has organized it, and the whole continent. I got a recognition letter from the UN, from ECOWAS, from several leading institutions.
0: Wow, that's absolutely amazing. And it kind of it shows that you are a role model for a lot of leaders globally, but also on the continent. You said the biggest problem facing Africa right now is good governance, right? Absolutely. Can you talk us through a bit more about that, what some of the issues are and what you think some of the solutions might be?
1: Okay. You know, uh, there is a, a tremendous gap between the declaration and the real behavior of the dealer. <laughs> because that big back, gap between the law, regulation, and implication on the ground. We do not lack good law, good rule, good regulation. What we are mostly lacking is the committed to implement leader that can serve the country and the not serving him themselves. So long as we are not able so long as we are not able to be consequently behaving at the top level, it will be difficult that we get out of the mess. Listen to me. all those disputes, struggle, immigration, is based on the fact that the fair rules to allocate budgets according to the necessity, according to the needs of the population, are not what As a result, you have Angriness, you have deception, you have some political open, or will demonstrate, or you will go and riot. The only reason is the mismanagement, misappropriation of the public 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 natural resources and everything. And that's the basis, basis for everything rigging election, you know, refusing to recognize the rights of the people, banning our people to express their idea. With all that together, that is good governance. It's a several facets, several pillars. It is a long way to go, but it's the only struggle that needs to back everyone so that we can gradually improve the situation.
0: So outside of Africa and good governance being one of the biggest challenges, what do you see globally as being one of the biggest upcoming challenges? Well, at a global
1: level, at least, what uh, you call the French denominator know, command. You China and 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 uh, the US can be opposed on who will control uh, cyberspace, who will control uh, artificial intelligence. But everybody agree that we we'll equally suffer from global warming <laughs> and climate change, <laughs> regardless of who you where you'll be. You cannot deny the effect of that. So whether we recognize it or not, sooner or later, everybody will be facing that reality. So you can see that uh, it was easy that uh, Joe Biden was able to bring on board (laughs) and put in (laughs) everyone on the issue (laughs) of climate change and global warming. Why? Because it is common concern. So that's a good sign to recognise that's one of the biggest challenges facing humanity, humanity mankind, can, be the world, is
0: that issue. Are you optimistic or quite sceptical about what the world can do in terms of collaborating to overcome the climate change issue? Well, you know, what the issue is, uh,
1: it's inevitable. It's the only item. It has no substitute. <laughs> what do you like about that? You can live without water. It consists 70% of our body. And then no activity can be conducted without water. And the more humanity is growing, the more the need is increasing. Unfortunately, the resources are again scarce. So, as a result, even those who do enjoy certain quantity of water today have to be concerned about the preservation of that, not only in terms of quantity, but in terms of quality also, because there are a lot of threats on water. You may refuse to share it with your neighbor if it's in a riparian country. But you may face deterioration of the quality of the water due external <laughs> intervention. As a result, you cannot refuse to collaborate. It will be only a short time to say that, OK, I own this, or will control it. target. You cannot. At one point of time, you'll be facing a need to look at the way to manage it properly, to protect it, to share it. In Africa, for instance, People are talking about uh, Bukaram. Do you not that uh, the conflict between farmers and those who are raising cattle is creating more deaths than <laughs> only in Nigeria? About 1,500 people were killed between the trash between uh, farmers and those who are moving their cattle to look for water. <laughs> so, water is It has a local implication, national and international. So at anywhere, any point, what will be a problem? Uh, The good example that I'd like to express is Europe blindly supporting the civil war in Syria. (laughs) When the clash started in 2011, blindly, uh, it was triggered by water because the Turkish had built some dam on the river Tiger and Euphrates, which that is flowing through Syria and Iraq. And it did create shortage of water. In Syria, there were not enough crops to be harvest, And people moved from the south. It didn't increase the price of wheat and so on. People started demonstrating the clash started, and they're supported by the opponent. And the European did not understand that. And that led to the biggest movement of immigrants. It created the collapse of several regions in Europe, including why Michael is going today. Doing today. Because she was so generous in receiving several immigrants. <laughs> And that uh, you know, the, the right hand people, rightist people, demonstrated. We can have power. Same in same Europe. Same in, Asia, in Italy and so on. So the big transformation today in Europe was created by uh,
0: immigrant living fl- Syria, Was created by water. <laughs> Kabine, if you could implement one policy, either at the United Nations or in the African Union or in Guinea itself, what would that one policy innovation be that you would like to see implemented?
1: Well, today uh, we are entering in a world where employment is a big concern. And unfortunately, we're having several educated people. In every country, people are eyes open, open minded. You can no longer lie to your people, mislead them constantly. You will sooner or later discover that you are true or false. So, the employment, everybody would like to stand of living to improve, well being to improve. You want to have a decent house, a TV. Smartphone and sensors, but that you have revenues. Unfortunately, we are entering a new world where technology is destroying job creation. That would be bombarded by inter- artificial intelligence. What will we do now with this workforce? Is it legitimately willing to contribute to build their society, to build their own life? what to do and that will become gradually a big challenge and it will happen everywhere everywhere in the world so people have to sit honestly globally and sit. you can split jobs into several you know small small activities but the protect is such that uh, you'll be very rapidly become jobless. <laughs> and then what to do? And it is a, it's a unique kind that you are creating in every country. And sometimes you see people writing violently. You feel the reason, because it's not that. It's because they have internalized so many bitterness that suddenly will react. And one of the sources of this bitterness is those well-educated, willing to work, we will have pocket work. and it more violent when people are witnessing the way our elites are jeopardizing and, and make, making bad use of the resources, or even the governors or power. So, job, accessing to job, employment, is a worldwide concern. If, if a policy needs to be discussed for me at a global level. Urgently,
0: it has be that way. Are you quite optimistic about us overcoming that challenge, for example, of um, employment and the climate issue?
1: To be frank with you, I'm not very optimistic. But I foresee some movement. I see the way young people in the civil society across the world are joining forces, are are collaborating without the politician, to try to share concerns, try to, to build common solutions, common approach, to face, even to, 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 to fight those shortcomings. So this is, for me, a source of hope. And, uh, uh, but it has to be maintained. It has to be sustained. It has to be protected. So that those who are holding their power will not see that as something that is challenging, putting uh, job at the
0: power <laughs> and, and leadership. Yeah, thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Okay, same for me. Thank you,
1: thank you. I'm very grateful to my friend Sandip to have linked me with you. So that thanks.
0: Kabine is talking about Sandeep Wazlakar, who introduced Kabine to the podcast. You can listen to the episode with Sandeep via the link in the show notes below. Next time, we'll be speaking with Esther, co-founder and CEO of Hundo, an innovative platform tackling the problem Kabine Kumara just said would be his number one policy innovation, rethinking employment. Thanks for listening.